Welcome back to the Evidence for Faith courses with Michael Lane. If you are enjoying our content and would like to hear more courses just like this one, you can become a donor at evidenceforfaith.org give. That's evidence, the number four, faith.org give. And while you are on the website, make sure to check out our other events and bookings. Our next big event is the Marine Biology Adventure Course for ages 14 and up. This introductory level marine biology course includes a variety of hands-on experiences and close encounters with God's creation. This is one of the most budget-friendly marine biology programs in the country and the only one with a core Christian foundation. To find out more about this program, visit evidenceforfaith.org marinebiology or check the events tab on the website. You can find these links and more in the description below. Thank you for listening and enjoy the course. Hi, and welcome to Evidence for Faith. It's Michael Lane back with you. Let me ask you a question. In your life, have you ever known someone, maybe a long time ago in your past or something, that appeared to be really walking close with God? I mean, seemed to be a dynamic Christian or whatever, um, just really on fire, and then after a while, they just seem to walk away and have nothing to do with God anymore? Well, that's going to be sort of the basis of our lesson today. This is the final lesson in our series that we're doing on Abide in Me. It's John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. And this final lesson, the fifth one here, is entitled, Thrown Away. Thrown Away. This is a sort of a sad and sort of a scary lesson, but Jesus included it. Remember, Jesus is about to go to the cross. He's got his disciples with him, and he's giving them the, his last important lesson before heading to his death on the cross. And so in this, we're going to see what he's talking about when he mentions throwing away. But let's begin by, first of all, reading this passage, and uh, even before that, let's offer up some prayer and ask for the Holy Spirit's help. Father God, we come before you, and we do pray that your Holy Spirit will do the teaching today that you will help us to evaluate and test ourselves to see how true our faith is in you. So open up our eyes and our minds to see this, and we pray this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. <clears throat> John 15, 1 through 11. We've been reading it, this whole paragraph, and that's what it is in the ancient manuscripts. It's one paragraph. Let's start by reading that, and then we'll get into the lesson itself. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. <clears throat> Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. 
If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Now, as we've learned, on Jesus' last night before going to the cross, he gave some last-minute instructions that would be very important to not only his disciples, but also to all Christians, even today as well. In this lesson, he divides the people into two groups— We've talked about that in previous lessons. There's two groups here, those that are abiding and those that are not. But first we must ask, who is the audience? Who, who's the audience that Jesus is actually addressing in here? So to discover this, we've got to go back in the book of John to chapter 13 at the beginning of this long discourse that he does. And so going back to John 13, look at the first two verses, and it tells us what's the setting of this story. And it reads, and again, I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. So what do we see? We have the 12 disciples are present. All 12 disciples are present. 11 of them would remain with Jesus that night, while one would leave to betray him. In other words, there's 12, 11, I'm sorry, there's 11 true branches that are attached and abiding with the Lord here at this point. The one false branch, this unattached branch um, that was not abiding of the Lord has already departed. Now in chapter 15, going back to this, Jesus addresses the issue of those who are not attached or abiding with him. Of this group, he says, and this is John 15, 1, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Skip down to verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Now, I have to admit, this is not a nice description of what happens to false branches, but it is reality. These are what I just like to call, these are Judas branches. Yes, Judas branches. Um, they are people who are bearing no fruit or it's false fruit. They are non-Christians. These are not true disciples. Uh, but I want you to know something here. I want you to look carefully at that statement. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit. Now that tells us two things. We can make a T-chart here. There's two things here. First of all, all branches that are really abiding and are really attached to Jesus do bear fruit. Um, you can know you are a Christian by the fruit that you bear. It's said many times throughout the New Testament. If there's no fruit being formed, you might want to check to see if you're really saved. If you struggle with the knowledge of your salvation— I want you to do something. I want you to read 1 John. Search many times with that short little book, 1 John. Search how many times John gives the reader tests 
to see if they're saved. It's a great book to read. If you or if you know someone who's struggling with their salvation, wondering if they're truly saved, have them read 1 John. It's, it's a great book. So that's one of the groups that Jesus is talking about. The second one, there's two things here. The second is Jesus is saying that some branches are just hanging there, and they're sort of superficially uh, attached, not bearing fruit. They're like grafts that didn't take. And since all true Christians do bear fruit, this means there are Judas branches present. And like Judas, they followed and attached themselves outwardly to Jesus, but they were never really a part of him and abiding in him. I mentioned in a previous lesson that I did uh, classes in the Nature Center in the Northwoods at a camp in Wisconsin. And one of the classes was that we did was I taught grafting. And we would go into the, the forest behind us and we grafted branches on. I instructed people how to do it and they would go in and they would, they would graft branches on the trees. Some of these branches, um, like in the next year, you could see these branches took and they were now thriving and putting out leaves and stuff. Some branches were dead, just attached there. They didn't ever take hold. Some fell off. Many of them just fell off the tree for the person didn't do it right. And some uh, just, they were still attached to the thing, but they were dead. The branch was totally dead. And it wouldn't take much for them to get knocked down. I'm sure most of them today are, are gone. But um, some, you know, this is what this is talking about, that some people attach themselves outwardly, but never are really apart, getting nourished and, and fed by Jesus. You know, we have an awful lot of Judas branches around today. Oh my gosh. And most of them, most of them are in churches and in youth groups. These are people who seemingly attach to Christ for a period of time, but have neither inward life nor fruits, like Jesus mentioned before. They are false followers. Oh, sure, for a while, they talk the talk, and they, they, they'll appear to be walking with Christ, and they'll appear to be abiding in him, but really, they're just hanging there. I've known many people over the years, back when I was in high school, many of the kids in my youth group, um, the youth group I went to um, in my junior and senior year was a huge youth group, and we had some people that, you know, they just seemed the most dynamic Christians. They were going to be, one was going to be a missionary uh, to go out to Africa. One was going to become a doctor and go to Africa. Another one was going to be a nurse and go to Africa. And they were going to, I had another person who, he was going to be a preacher and all this. And you know what's really sad about all, about all of those? Every single one of these individuals, I can still see their faces right now. They've all walked away from God. They've all walked away. Not everybody in the youth group, but the majority of them did. How sad that is. And I've seen this with youth groups that I have directed and ministered to that I've served. And in churches where I have served also, I have seen people like this. Yeah, it's really sad. They have the, you know, they do the talk sometimes. They, they seem to be appearing to walk the walk, but nope, they're just hanging there. And if they do produce fruit, it's very little fruit hardly anything. And to be honest, most of it's artificial fruit. You ever play with artificial fruit? I remember going into a house one time when I was invited, oh, I think I was back in college, 
And I'd driven with a friend to this a long time. Uh, it was hours in a car till we got to this person's house. And when we got there, um, I was really hungry. And, you know, we, we were invited to sit down. And I sat down in the living room. There was a bowl of fruit sitting there um, on, in the living room. And I thought, hmm, that looks good. So I picked up, um, uh, started to, to pick up a piece of fruit. And um, as I picked it up, it didn't feel quite right, but I was pretty hungry. And I did this, I was sort of, I didn't know if it was a permissible, so I did this sort of quickly. <laughs> and I, I grabbed the thing, put it in my mouth, and bit down, and it was it was like uh, a hard plastic or something or resin or I don't know. It felt like a piece of fruit, but it wasn't. <laughs> it was a false fruit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the Bible is full of examples of Judas branches. Let me just show you a couple. I mean, there's a lot of it. Just for time's sake, let me show you like about five of these there's, uh, that are very simple to see. Ones maybe you don't even realize. The first one I want to talk about is a girl by the name of Orpah. Orpah. Her sad story is recorded in the book of Ruth. She was a Moabite girl, like Ruth was, who married an Israelite man. Uh, Kilian was his name. She was actually the sister-in-law to Ruth. And apparently she followed the ways of God because this family was uh, from the tribe of Judah. They lived in Bethlehem. And so they, they had knowledge of God and stuff like this. You have Naomi who, and her husband and stuff. But when, when the husbands all died, something happened. I mean, she apparently, this Orpah girl, apparently followed the ways of God under this family. But when her husband died, unlike Ruth, who chose to remain loyal to God, Naomi was able to persuade her to return to her native land and her idols. Yeah. Um, in the book of Ruth, if you study Naomi sometimes, uh, particularly in the beginning parts of this book, she's not a real good person. Um, she tries to dissuade Ruth from following her and coming back, but Ruth was um, dedicated to God. I mean, it was real to her. Um, and it even says this in Ruth chapter 1, verses, uh, verse 15. This is Naomi speaking to Orpah. She says, see your sister-in-law has, uh, she's speaking, I'm sorry, she is speaking to Ruth here. She says, see your sister-in-law, speaking of Orpah, she's gone back to her people and to her gods. And Naomi encourages Ruth to do the same thing. I mean, it's really sad. Um, she's not being an evangelist, this Naomi. Though she had married into the tribe of Judah, she nevertheless did go back to Moab and to her idol worship. Her walk wasn't real. When adversity came, the death of her husband, when adversity came, she turned her back on God. You know, that is not uncommon with many people today. They make some profession of faith to Christ, but when adversity comes, they walk away. Jesus even gave us parables about such things. A second person I want to talk about and give you an example of is Jeroboam I. Jeroboam I, he was a man of God, apparently at the beginning, who chose to lead a revolution under God's direction, to lead a revolution against King Solomon, uh, his son Rehoboam, because of the sins of the people. Now, we read this in 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 30 through—well, we're going to stop at 38, but just follow along as I read this and then um, see what's going on here. Then Ahijah—he he is a prophet, just to let you know—Ahijah uh, um, laid hold of the new garment that was on him, and he tore it into 12 pieces. 
And he said to Jeroboam, take for yourself 10 pieces. For thus the Lord says, the God of Israel, behold, I am going to tear the kingdom from the hand of Solomon and give you 10 tribes. Now skip down to verse 38. And if you listen to all that I command you and walk in my ways and do what is right in my eyes by keeping my statutes and my commandments, as David my servant did, I will be with you and will build you a sure house as I built for David, and I will give Israel to you. So apparently this guy had a relationship of some sort with God, apparently, to people around and stuff. But soon after the coup was over, Jeroboam, as soon as it was over, Jeroboam led the people into idol worship. He totally disregarded God. His walk wasn't real either. He wasn't attached to the true vine of God. He followed God for a while. Did you catch what's going on? He followed God when it was beneficial for him. But once he gained fame and power, he deserted God. This, too, is not unlike many people today. Here's another one. Third example. His name was Zedekiah, son of, this is a fun name, son of Canaanah. Yeah, forgive me on that one. This is a prophet, claims to be a prophet. This man's claim being a prophet of God, and he's the advisor for kings Ahab, and he's going to be the advisor for King Jehoshaphat, also of Judah. When preparing to go to war against the Syrians, Zedekiah, supposedly speaking for the Lord, told the kings to go to battle and that God would grant a massive victory to him. But King Jehoshaphat, he sort of saw through this and asked for another prophet to give advice. He recognized that Zedekiah was not a true follower of God. Now, how did he know this? Because he came from the southern kingdom. He comes up here, he meets the guy. Something was so superficial about this Zedekiah, Jehoshaphat was instantly able to see this guy is not really walking with God. So he says, let's get another prophet, a true prophet of God in here. So when Micaiah was brought in, and he said that Zedekiah, he, he claims it right there. He says it right out. Zedekiah was not a follower of God, that he's a liar. I mean, Micaiah, this prophet, really slams this other so-called follower of God. Um, we see this in uh, 1 Kings 22:24. Then Zedekiah came near and struck Micaiah on the cheek and said, Well, how did the Spirit of the Lord go from me to speak to you? You see, Zedekiah is claiming to be a prophet of God. But he's not a true follower. No. Here's a fourth example. Get this one. This is out of the New Testament. A lot of people just skip right over this, I have found, over the years. They don't really catch what's happened here. A lot of people think that Jesus just had 12 disciples. We often read about 12 disciples. But at one time in his ministry, Jesus had scores more. He sent them out to minister to the people and to perform miracles. Look in the book of Luke, chapter 10, verse 1. Look what is written. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And then we find out what the report was. Now get this. This is, this is down in verse 17 of chapter 10 of Luke. Look what these, these disciples come back and tell Jesus. 
it reads, the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Thus, these people were doing miracles in the name of Jesus. These people were producing some type of fruit. But look what happens afterwards. And to this, you got to get to verse, you got to go to the book of John, chapter 6, verse 66. And look what happens to this group. It reads, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him, leaving him just with his 12. Even though they had preached in Jesus' name, even though they spoke for God, even though they performed miracles and amazing feats, they walked away. Why? They were not truly attached to the true vine. Though they did produce some fruit, it was like a false fruit because their walk was definitely not real. Oh my, we see this happening in churches all over the country. In youth groups, many teams claim to be disciples of Jesus, but when troubles come or their superficial claim wears off, they walk away. I've seen it so often. I've seen it since I was a kid. I've seen this with adults in churches too. Someone um, will come and they, they say that they're a Christian and then adversity comes and they walk away. You see, only the true followers, those who are abiding in Jesus, weathers the storm. Like those grafts that didn't take, they broke off. Only those who are truly abiding in Jesus stay attached. In short, these people were never real, true branches. Real branches stay attached, even when the wind blows. Yes, the, the sick and the um, dead branches break off. All they're good for, then, is firewood. Which brings us to our fifth and final example on this one. Let's talk about Judas Iscariot himself. I mean, he's the prime example of someone who is a false branch. I mean, you, you can't get any better than this. And I mentioned this in a previous message in, in this series. Did you realize that Judas was one of the leaders of the disciples? I'm sure he was. Mm -hmm. He was active in the ministry. He carried the money bag. He was one of the officials. I imagine sometimes when we're just said that some of the disciples were arguing about who'd be the greatest, I have a feeling Judas was right there in the among, among them because he was a powerful person holding the money bag. I'm sure he was in there. And we know that he did miracles. You can read about it in Matthew 10, 1 through 4. He, he participated in miracles. He saw Jesus do amazing miracles. He saw people being raised from the dead and healing, and leprosies being cast out, and demons being cast out, and others. He went out on the missionary journey also, Matthew 10, 5 through 15, when Jesus sends out his disciples. Yet Judas was a false branch. This is why Jesus taught that lesson in Matthew chapter 7, that at the judgment many would come before him claiming to have done many things in his name. Oh, Jesus... We, we preached in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We visited people in your name. We did this in your name. Hey, I taught Sunday school in your name. I went on a missions trip in your name. I've done all this. I always put money in the offering plate uh, when it comes by. I do all this. And then they hear the terrible sentence at the judgment, depart from me. I never knew you. Let me show you one last thing. 
Remember the parable of the men who built the houses? Remember one builds on rock, one builds on sand? I want you to look carefully at this if you have your Bibles. If not, listen carefully as I read this passage. It's Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27. Now, I know this is a very familiar parable um, and lesson that Jesus taught, and it's even a kid's song we sing in Sunday school. But listen carefully, because I want to show you something that some people don't see, but it's right there. Matthew 7, 24 through 27 reads, Then um, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Very familiar story. But did you ever notice each man builds a similar structure? They each build a house. Their actions, their activities and everything look identical. We're not told of any difference between the houses. Each one, hey, that's a house. And that one, that one's a house. So by appearance, they don't appear to be different. The difference between is what it's built on. It's the foundation. This is symbolism talking about people following Christ. Some people will accept it, and they build on that foundation, that solid foundation, that rock, that's being attached to the Lord Jesus, being attached to God, being a true branch. That's what that is. The other, the house built on the sand, represents false followers. They're built on shifting morals. Adversity comes. They don't have much to hold on to, and the foundation slips away, and the house falls. Because this is so important, uh, Jesus is describing true believers from false followers here. Paul wrote that everyone needs to do a self-examination of their walk with Christ. Look at 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test? So let me ask you, as we wrap this up, is your relationship with Jesus real, or is it false? Are you building your actions on Jesus, the solid rock, or on sand? Are you a true healthy vine producing good fruit? Or are you just attached and really a dead vine? Are you getting nourishment from him? Are you producing good fruit? Or are you barren? One last question. What will Jesus say to you when you stand before him? 
Father God, we thank you for this time and this lesson, and I so thank you for your word and how Jesus was just so plain in what he was saying. I pray for all those listening. Lord, help them to do a self-examination. Let us, let us check and see. Are we really attached? Are we getting nourishment? So that we can weather any storm if the rains come and the winds blow and we're still firmly attached and producing good fruit for you. Or are we breaking off because we're really not attached? Help us, Lord, to honestly evaluate ourselves. May your Holy Spirit help us through that, to really help us to see clearly what our relationship with you is like. For you love us and you want all, as it says in Scripture, for all to come to know you as Lord and Savior. So thank you, and thank you for these listeners that are listening. And we pray this in Jesus' name and for the glory of Jesus and the Father. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me in this series. I hope this has helped you in your spiritual walk. We'd love to hear from you. And if you want to leave comments, we would love to hear them. If you would like prayer or to contact us for something else, um, maybe you feel impressed by the Holy Spirit to uh, help support us in our ministry. We would, we would really cherish that too. But let us hear from you. We love to hear from you. So until we meet again, take care and may God bless. Thanks for tuning in. And thank you to our donors who make this program possible. You can help us produce the next course by becoming a donor at evidenceforfaith.org give or use the links in the description. Don't forget to leave a comment, a review, likes, and shares to feed the algorithm and help others find this content. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next episode.